Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. On today's Patriot Nation podcast, we are joined by Alex Barth from 98.5 The Sports Hub. We discuss the Trent Brown trade. We discuss free agency, which technically starts on Monday with the legal tampering period. Call it Monday. What the heck? We're almost there. We discuss the draft and, of course, the quarterback position. You know we can't go an episode without talking about the quarterback position. It's such a good episode that I had to do this intro twice. Just kidding. I screwed it up when we did it live, but you'll see. Either way, it's a heck of a show, so buckle up and cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has it. Wilson, quick throw. And it's good. On today's Patriot Nation podcast, we are talking Patriots offseason, the Trent Bound trade, of course, and you know, you know we're going to talk about the quarterback. We are being joined by Alex, Bar- Alex Barth from CLNS Media. Super excited to have him on. It's going to be uh, a heck yeah. of a show. 98.5, come on. You knew that. Shnikes. I did know that. It's all good. Barth, that's my bad, dude. I totally screwed up. I totally screwed up the intro for the podcast, but that's all right. Whatever, dude. Throw it out. Throw it out. I'm I didn't even realize we were live. I didn't want to put you on blast like that. That's all yeah. right, Barth. I screwed it up. It's on me. It's on me. I apologize. <laughs> Barth, welcome to the show, man, from 98.5, the Sports Hub, of course. There we Hello. go. How are uh, we doing? Not, not, look, you guys are great. I won't hold that against you. Other show, <laughs> Another show, I might hold it against them. I'm not going to hold it against you guys. I'm happy to be here. Appreciate that. Appreciate you, man. So, yeah, thanks for, thanks for coming on, man. We, uh, we appreciate it. Obviously, big news with the Trent yes. Brown trade. Like physically big news, right? That was the big joke going on. Oh, look, the big, you know, the big trade because he's so big. Uh, what do you think of the Trent Brown trade? Are you excited about to have a back, obviously? And then what do you think that does to to the offensive line? Yeah, it's a great trade. You know, it's a, it's a pick swap trade. So you move down from the fifth to the seventh and it's the same same value. So it's all good there. Everything's good there. And there, it's by the way, it's next year too, not this year where their picks are a little more condensed. So it's a good move. As for what I think it means for the offensive line, it can mean a couple things. And this is where this gets really interesting. And this is where I think it's fun is that, you know, are you going to have guys play to their strengths individually? Or are you going to try to put, you know, your best five linemen on the field? How do you do it? 
I don't think Isaiah Wynn goes into guard. That's not going to happen. He's not big enough or strong enough to play guard in their system. I think they want Michael Onwenu at guard. I know people say he was a great tackle last year, and he was. He absolutely was. But he's a guard, and however good he was at tackle, he's going to be an even better guard. And the thing is, and, and Matt Chatham was the first one to point this out, and he would know a thing or two about this. You put Trent Brown next to Michael Onwenu over there on the left side, you're going to run for 10 yards a carry. And I'm not totally joking about that. So, you know, but then it's like, what does Marcus Cannon look like after the year off? And, and, you know, do you move Trent Brown over there? He wasn't as good over on the right side. You're also taking some risks with Isaiah Wynn staying healthy. I'd like to see what they can get for Isaiah Wynn in a trade, because I like the idea of having a developmental tackle on the roster and, you're, that time's about up with Isaiah Wynn, right? He's got one year left on his deal. It's going to cost him $10 million to pick up his fifth-year option, which is a lot for that player. And I just I think the experiment's worn out. They tried going with a smaller, more athletic tackle than they usually take. He, he didn't play poorly, but again, the durability was an issue. I'd like to see them move on from him. You go with Brown and Cannon, and you still have Justin Heron, who I think is an underrated player and kind of got buried by how good Michael Onwenu was. I guess we only had the attention span for one prolific rookie offensive lineman. Uh, but Justin Heron's good too. You have him as your third tackle if something goes wrong with Marcus Cannon. Uh, and then you dip back into the draft and you go back and you get a developmental tackle. Maybe not in the first round, but I wouldn't be opposed to a top 100 pick on a tackle. That guy becomes your developmental option. And then you reset that rookie contract with, you know, you go from one year with Isaiah Wynn to four years on whoever that guy may be. It's a good tackle draft. So, that's just one way to go about it. Uh, there, there's a ton of ways, and that's why this is fun. But good problem to have. I think no matter what they do, they can't really screw it up unless they try playing Isaiah Win at guard. So, you know, good place to be. Offensive line's in a good spot. Yep. Now you just got to find out who, who they're going to be protecting. Yeah, and and you alluded to it, the you know the run game. And, and people forget how great Sony Michelle was. I mean, granted, he was healthy and, you know, certainly I think had a little bit more burst as a rookie. But, um he had a career year running behind Trent, Trent Brown and, and obviously Joe Tooney on that side, which I think his future here is, is very limited. I don't think that's, that's a, it's about wrapped. You can say yeah, it's about wrapped. It's yeah. all, it's all over. Uh, he's going to get big money from, from somewhere. I think since he's someone like that of the jets. Uh, but anyways, no, I mean, and I think we'll know a little bit more if we don't know before then, obviously the, the deadline to pick up that options may 3rd. So we'll know a little bit more about Isaiah Wynn's future then. Right how they feel about that going forward. Um, but I said, I said it when, when the trade happened, the strength of the team got even, even stronger, their offensive line. I mean, really ever since that, that terrible AFC championship game in Denver, uh, what was that? Six years ago now, uh, 2015, yeah. that, that yeah. this it's been the strength of the football team. Uh, and it, and it just got better. They got a ton of depth. I think last year it really hurt them not having that swing tackle. I think Illuminor did kind of what he could in the time that, that win was down. A lot of guys were out of spots. Right now, you're not running into it, but I do think there's an odd man out here, and, and it's either going to be Marcus Cannon. You cut him. I think it's a little bit over $7 million. You're saving the cap if, if you get rid of him. Obviously, kind of flirted with retirement the last few years, and then the future of Isaiah Wynn. Do you look to get a trade partner? What can you get out of him? Uh, so it's interesting, but I, I like the move, and, and the biggest thing with Brown is can he stay in shape? Can he be engaged? You know, Can he stay on the field? And, and it's funny. that I wonder if he knows Dante Scarnecchi is retired. Uh, yeah, anybody I, else I, get a little emotional with that yeah. uh, that Instagram post with him and Scarface bumping? I mean, that, he wants uh, to be here a little bit. 
he, he yeah, wants he to be here. Yeah. I mean, he's, and he's I, liked I tweets think, for, for months about it. I think that's important too, because I, I, I think a lot of the, you know, Patriot way, the culture's gone, stuff is overblown, but I think there is a little bit of that. I think this team last year didn't have some of that spark that previous teams had, didn't buy in in the same way that previous teams did. Not, you know, to the level of worry, not to the, you know, red alert level that some people out there say, but I think there was a little bit of that. And you go out, you get a guy who knows what it takes to succeed here, who knows what it takes to win here, who's going to buy in here. You know, I think that's valuable. We talk about the reunions. We've talked about reunions now for two weeks. I think Kyle Van Noy is the same thing. If you can get a guy like him back, Brandon Cooks has been floated and he's a guy, right? The quote, well, if you don't like the Patriots, you just don't like hard work. Like that's enough. I actually wrote today. I, I had like, 15 players who are all on the market, who are all former Patriots, they could look to bring back. So I, I like the idea that they're going back, literally going back to what worked. Go get right. guys who you know can succeed here, not because you think they can, but because they have before. Right. And I love the idea. So I wrote an article about this the other day on Pat's pulpit. Um, I love the idea of trading Isaiah Wynn. I love it. I, I think, yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, that $10 million option, is is you know not significant by any stretch of the imagination as a left tackle but it's a decent amount of money and then you know after that if you're looking even if he's a mediocre left tackle you're looking at somewhere between 13 and 16 million dollars a year and so i actually made the argument in my in, in my article that you should actually look to keep tooney if you if they if they believe that Onwenu is a tackle now of course as you're saying you know he, he's he could be a dominant guard and right. an even better guard than he is as a tackle. If he's more suited to play guard, then fine, have him play guard and 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 let Tooney walk. But you know, if you believe he can play tackle, you know, you're gonna play Tooney, what, 15, 16 million dollars a year, somewhere around there, which is basically what you're gonna be paying, you know, a, a starting left tackle. And so, you know, does that mean then you have to go out and find the other the, the next left tackle, whether it's Heron, whether it's someone else in this year's draft, I'm not sure. But uh, you know, kind of puts you behind the eight ball a little bit there because you assume if you're going to pay Tooney, then you're not going to pay Trent Brown, right? So, so right. like there are definitely, definitely some concerns. But either way, regardless whether you keep Tooney or not, I love the idea of moving on from Win because this is the time to do it. And the guy has been has there's been 48 games since he walked into the league. He's missed 30 of them. Like that's yes. significant. That is significant. You know, for a guy that is going to be relied on in a in an incredibly important position, if he can't be the guy. That's that's really damaging to your team. You saw, you saw what it did in 2019. And I think the other path you can look at, too, you mentioned paying Tooney. I haven't seen a ton of people talk about possibly locking up Trent Brown long term. Right. And, you know, you'd think, well, if they're going to do it, don't they do it right away when they restructure his contract? Maybe they want to see what happens in the draft, how he looks this year, uh, you know, what, what their cap situation is after free agency. But I wouldn't rule that out. He clearly wants to be here. They clearly like him as a player. And if you lock him up, you have left to right, you have Trent Brown, Michael Onwenu, David Andrews, who they absolutely should pay, Shaq Mason. And, and then if you if you lock David Andrews up, you extend Trent Brown, you just need to find a right tackle. Maybe it's Justin Heron. Maybe it's somebody in the draft. Somebody brought up Yadni Kajus' name, which I guess you technically have to do, but he does they, have, they have options over there. And then, you know, you got four guys who are among the best at the league at their position, right guard through left tackle. You just got to find that one spot. Right. Agreed. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's it. That's it, right? It's is as dominant of his offensive line as you can possibly have. Really, is what yeah. you're looking at, you know. And again, whether Heron's at right tackle, because I agree with you. Like nobody talked about Justin Heron last year. I thought he played pretty well. 
especially for a rookie who had no OTAs, no training camp, no nothing. Yeah. I thought he stepped in and played pretty well. I thought I think he just got buried by as many defenders did by Michael and Wendy's right. momentum because right, you you had like Justin Heron any other year would be arguably the rookie of the year, right? Because Kyle Duggar was very good too, but I think he was right there. Um, but then, you know, Michael Onwenu was one of the best linemen in the league. Forget right. rookie. He was among the, like PFF every week. We were seeing him as the, like a top yeah. five lineman. So it's hard to compete with that if you're Justin Heron, but yeah, no, he's, he's an NFL player. I don't know if he ends up being more than a third tackle, but there's nothing wrong with that. Right. This team right. in 2019, if you go back a little bit, you know who they really missed was Adrian Waddle. And having that tackle who can spot start, play both sides competently, that was the problem with um, who was who was the bum they had over there at left tackle? Illuminor? Well, yeah. No, no, no. In nineteen, uh, Newhouse. Um, oh, Newhouse, right. Newhouse. Like the problem with Newhouse wasn't that he was a bad player; it was he was a career right tackle who they tried moving to the left side, and it's like telling a righty to write with his left hand. Right. So having that guy who can play both sides is very valuable. Who's okay in that role. Like that's if Heron's more than that. Great. I think that's where he is. That's still important, but yeah, no, he's a, they found two linemen. They found two legit linemen in the sixth round. Nothing to wit, not taking anything away from Michael and Wenu, but let's look at Justin Heron too. He's a good player. Agreed. Yeah. And, and who's, pro- who are they protecting? Cause that's uh, right. Yeah. We talk about it every week. I mean, you, we will talk about this until it's figured out. Uh, and I think, and then we'll probably still talk about it. Yeah, yep. no, for sure. But it, you're starting to see some dominoes fall. And I think the biggest one, uh, and we'll get into it. The biggest domino to fall will be Sam Darnold, right? Cause I think Not he's rumored, Watson. I, I just think it doesn't really matter to the Patriots in a, unless, you know, San Francisco swings a deal for him or, or something like that. I think Darnold realistically the, the two landing spots that come to mind for me are Washington and San Francisco. I, I think Kyle Shanahan would love to have Sam Darnold in his offense young, yeah. uh, you know, fairly cheap, especially for the next two years, assuming they pick up that fifth year option, um, a, a playmaker that can extend plays with his legs. I, I think it'd be a great fit for him and for Shanahan. Um, so then how does that relate to Jimmy Garoppolo, who has a no trade clause in his contract, which I think the only two places he'd be willing to go would be here, except a trade or, or Chicago, just because he's from there. And I think he'd have an opportunity to play. Um, but it, it's the money. What do they do with that? Con- is, it, is it a similar thing with Trent Brown where he'd be willing to restructure? I think he would. Uh, at, at what cost? I think Teddy Bridgewater's, I could be wrong, is the, is the cheapest starting quarterback right now. And he's making like 20 plus a year. Right. So I, I don't think Jimmy's going to expect anything and you're not going to see the Cam Newton type deal anywhere else. Right. So I think what they can do with that one is like you mentioned, the no trade clause, right. Is if, if, it, if Chicago doesn't want him and it's only the Patriots, the Patriots can just essentially not offer. Yep. And then the Niners have to cut Jimmy Garoppolo and then the right. Patriots get to come up with their own contract. And there's not a ton of dead money. So Sam, like there was before most of that's gone. So there's not, a ton that's stopping San Francisco from cutting Garoppolo if the Patriots won't, won't make the deal. Now that's a game of chicken and you risk losing him. Right. And the, the Patriots could have let the Raiders cut Trent Brown. The report is they weren't going to, but I'm sure that was floated at some point. Oh, if you won't give us what we want, we'll just hold on to him or we'll, we'll let you cut him or whatever. But the Patriots can kind of, Assuming there's not a huge market for Jimmy Garoppolo, which I don't think there will be, the Patriots can kind of force San Francisco's hand. And again, if he gets released, the contract goes away and you start from scratch. Right. No, it's a good point. I think 
I think what it comes down to is from San Francisco, you know, it, at, in San Francisco, if they replace him, as Spag says, if it's Darnold, if it's somebody else, if they replace him, now they have no leverage, right? We're going to hold on to Jimmy G and we'll just play with Jimmy G. But if you get a new guy in there, it's like, well, you're not going to pay him $25 million this right. year. Well, it depends. It, it depends how they replace him. If it's Sam Darnold, yes, then that leverage right. is gone. There's also, you know, a, a popular theory is that they're going to trade up in the draft. They're going right. to move up from 12 into the top five. And if they do that, then it changes a little bit because we want to keep sure. Jimmy as our bridge is actually, you should keep Jimmy as your bridge. That's right. actually a really smart thing to do. So you're, you're right. You're not, you're, again, it's a, it's a good point. I just think it could go uh, a number of ways. The one thing I will say on top of that, I don't, you know, people are kind of jumping at it at, you know, go get Garoppolo, go get Garoppolo. He's not, I don't believe he's available yet. That's not to say he won't be available, but San Francisco, this isn't a team that's being forced to give up their quarterback, right? Like Houston. And it's not a team that's resetting. Okay. Like, like people have talked about Miami giving up Tua, or the lions is a better example, giving up on Matthew Stafford. They have a very good roster. They didn't suck last year because they have no talent. They were just, everybody was hurt, right? This is a team that can realistically compete for a super bowl this year. They're not going to reset at quarterback. They're not going to go as much as I love CJ Beathard. They're not going to, I do, they're not going to just be like, screw it. We'll go with CJ Beathard. We don't need Jimmy Garoppolo. You probably do that anyway with Jimmy's injury history. That's probably what ends up happening, but that's another point. But they're not just giving up on Jimmy Garoppolo to give up with him. They're not going to move on from him until there's another piece in place, whether it's through the draft or they trade for somebody or a free agent or whatever. So, you know, that you mentioned the domino, that domino, I think has to fall first. Mm -hmm. And that will tell us a lot about how Jimmy Garoppolo can be acquired. Right. No, that's a good point. And Spags, I think I think Spags is right. And you're right about obviously the fact that, you know, Watson is is the name, right, that yeah. everyone's looking for. Well, didn't but Bleacher Report have San Francisco on his short list? I thought that was a report about a month ago. I mean I, it was San Francisco I, I and Denver. So. Why why wouldn't you? Deshaun Watson oh, yeah. win the MVP in that in that system. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So I just don't know what they can what can they do? What can they what can they give? I mean, I guess you could give twelve and you know their first round pick next year and their second round pick this year and their second round pick next year and a whole bunch of other stuff. And like you said, that team, if healthy, is disgusting, right? And so, yeah. you know, and, and in my opinion, I think they're still the best team in the West. Even with Jimmy G at quarterback, I think they're the best team in the West, assuming that everyone stays healthy. Um, and so, you know, especially if who knows what's gonna happen with Russell Wilson. I mean, like, you know. What the heck, you know, but anyways, but, but it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting thing to see. I am, I am, you know, I've been banging the drum on Jimmy G for six, seven months now, but I also don't want to see them give up too much. Like a third round pick for Jimmy G is just too much. I just, that's, that's too much for me. You know, you want to send a fourth round pick or a fifth round pick for him. Fine. But I'm not giving up significant assets for a guy that, you know, yeah, you know, he's, he hasn't, he's not healthy. He doesn't stay healthy. He's never stayed healthy, you know? And, and when he does, they win, right? They were 0-8 when they traded him there. They went 6-2 and after they traded for him. Like, he wins everywhere he goes. Super Bowl. Then went to the Super Bowl two years later after, I mean, after, after being out for so the year. You know? I, I, Playing I devil's advocate, too, like, paid, that was the same notion of Cam Newton when he came here. And, I, and they ran him and kind of put his body, you know, out there. I think they do a pretty good job here keeping their quarterbacks upright and staying healthy well they didn't they, but they didn't do it with Garoppolo and, and look if the, the right. Trent Brown trade it did actually make me and I've been very much you know not Garoppolo the two guys I've said I don't want are Garoppolo and Cam 
which has kind <laughs> yeah. of the, been the discussion. And you're right, by the way. Even Probably if you, one of those two. Is this right. Gonna even happen, even if you get him, Pat, by the way, there's a great point with people talking about giving up too much. I saw Gilmore for Garoppolo. No, no, absolutely not. And, 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 and I got another one for you, Ryan. I saw somebody suggest Stidham for Garoppolo. I don't know how you they never how do you it. feel about no, that. Of course they go. Would. I want I want a first. I want a first <laughs> for him. So here, here's my Garoppolo stat for you guys. This is kind of what I use to back up the fact that I'm super hesitant. So not looking at percentage of games he was he started, but if you look at how many games was he expected to finish since he entered the NFL. So that's four games in 2016. Mm-hmm. I didn't count the games after he got traded to San Francisco because remember they were going to sit him for the rest of the year and then injuries he gets put in. And then the remainder of the games be after that. So how many of the games he was expected to start to, to finish? Did he finish of 57 games in his career where he should have realistically should have been the starting quarterback. He finished 28 of those games. Yeah. That is 49.1% less than half the time. He is in the game at the end when you expect him to be. That's terrifying to me. If you're going to get Jimmy Garoppolo, and I've been saying this, if you're going to get Jimmy Garoppolo and I get the upside, you'd better have a damn good backup. And I think that, right, when we talk about Garoppolo being the answer and then we don't have to talk about all these free agents anymore, I think if you trade for Garoppolo, I think Alex Smith still has to be in play. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick still has to be in play. Tyrod Taylor still has to be in play. Best case scenario, you don't use him, sure. But again, this is less than 50% of the time he's going to be on the field when when the final whistle blows. How do you feel about that? If your backup is sorry, Spags, Jared Stidham. Yeah, I mean it's certainly a red flag with him. Um, but I just, I, I comes down to me. Realistically, what are their other options? I mean, certainly, I'd love for them to, to you know, do something so uncharacteristic and move up and get a guy yeah. right, like a Trey Lance if he falls, or a Zach Wilson or something like that. I just, from their history, and obviously they haven't needed to go up and get a quarterback really ever. Um, but even going up to get a guy, they, they, ne- they typically never do that. And then after the compensatory picks drop today, where they kind of have a, a lot of gap it's between screwed. two and three and all that, like yeah. I think a trade back is more likely just to kind of pick up some more capital. Uh, so that's what it comes down to me from like the guys that are available. He just makes the most sense. And not, not just that, but not just that, but you know, you, in my opinion, you're drafting at 15. You have to walk into the draft. On April, whatever, whatever the date is, 29th. you have April 29th. You have to walk into the draft on April 29th with your starting quarterback on your roster. You have to, because you can't walk into the draft picking 15th overall without a starting quarterback and say, we're going to find our starting quarterback. That's not going to happen because what happens if one, two, three goes the first three quarterbacks. And now you're like, oh crap. Like we, now we have to get someone. So now what you're going to mortgage the entire future to go trade up for and get, you know, Trey Lance or God forbid, you have to trade up, you know, and, and send a future first round pick to go get Mac Jones at 10. Like, like, no, like that would be a disaster. So you have to have that guy. At least you have to be comfortable with the guy that's that's at your quarterback position when you walk into the draft. And the Mike Reese report from about a month ago was that they wanted to have their starting quarterback at the start of free agency yeah. so that they could tell receivers, this is who you're throwing to. The other thing, and, and Ryan, it's a good point. They don't trade up. You know, especially they've never needed to get a quarterback, but they they never really seem to value quarterbacks in the draft highly. The one thing I keep clinging to, and I I host the Patriots Beat podcast with Evan Lazar on Tuesdays and Thursdays on CLNS Media, and the running joke is I end up I don't mean to do it, but I talk myself into this point every week. 
there was, there was a, a string of reports from like the, the in guys, the guys who are never wrong, the Mike Reese's, the, the, the um, Tommy currents, like the, that group, the group that you believe when they say something who said the Patriots want to be uncharacteristically aggressive this off season. Now, does that just mean they're going to have the same off season, but do it at half the time and just sign the same guys, but sign them earlier. Or does it mean they're really going to be aggressive and really break the book and do things they've never done and trade up for a quarterback and pay a pass rusher and things like that. So I'm still clinging to that report a little bit, that they're going to be uncharacteristically aggressive, that they're going to move up into the top seven. They're going to go get Trey Lance or Mac Jones, and they're going to understand that they they can't go year to year at the quarterback position, and they need to really put investment into that. So uh, they've never done it, and that's been the defense for them not doing it is, oh, they won't do it because they've never done it. But if they, if if what Reese says is true, and they really are going to be uncharacteristically aggressive, that to me is where that whole conversation starts is how do you go about the quarterback position? They weren't aggressive with Matthew Stafford, only offering a second round pick, whether or not he was going to come here. They only offered a second round pick for Matthew Stafford. So if you're going to get a, aggressive, there's no better position to do it than quarterback. And the only way you can do that is mortgaging future picks to move up. Like I think Trey Lance goes at eight to the Panthers. I, I don't think he falls past that. I so agree. if you want Lance or Jones, I think you got to go to seven. Well, I think what, the, what can you do to get to seven? So that, so the key to me is three, three is the key to me because Miami has three yep. and Miami can go, obviously can go multiple different ways, but if right. they take Penny Sewell at three, which they won't, I don't think because they uh, want I think they're taking a, I, 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 I'll take a receiver. I think that's a mistake to, to go receiver or top five, but either way, regardless, okay. right. Let's, let's just say, let's say, you know, that they, that they go Sewell at three. Yeah. Now Cincinnati's looking at it saying, well, what the hell do we do now? Right. Cincinnati needs a needs a tackle desperately. Right. Right. Sewell's the pick at five, in my opinion, with Cincinnati. Yes. That's the biggest need for them. If Sewell's off the board when they're drafting, now they're looking to trade out. And that's the spot you can go up and get him. I mean, even uh, you know, even Atlanta, yeah. too. Yeah. Even four, Atlanta. Like, I'm not sold on them taking a quarterback possible. either. I, I right. know you're hoping you're never drafting that high again. So hey, might as well go get our franchise guy and let him sit a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean, and certainly Miami's not trading with you. you know, they're not going to help you get your biggest need well, inside not. the division. Yeah. So the, the other one, and, and you're kind of putting a lot of pieces together here, but I, I've seen this out there and I, I, I kind of put this together in one of my mocks accidentally is what if Miami, right? So if Miami puts the smoke screen out there, we want Sewell, we're taking Sewell three, we're taking Sewell three. They, cause, cause they, they just like, they have a ton of picks right now and they're, they're in a really good spot to just surround to it with cheap premium talent. They can add to that. Let's say they trade with Cincinnati and they move down from three to five, mm. right? And Cincinnati moves up. They know they get Sewell. Miami gets an extra pick. That to me is the ideal situation for the Patriots. You have quarterback top two. You have Cincinnati taking Sewell at three, maybe a quarterback at four, probably not a quarterback at five. If you're Miami, if you're moving down. And then again, that six and seven range, I think is where the Patriots look to strike and move up. If they're going to go get a quarterback, I don't think Wilson or fields are the options. I think it's down to Lance and Jones. I'd be fine with either guy. I'm a huge Mac Jones guy. I've been talked into Trey Lance, uh, but you know, I, I just, one of them, just some sort of hope. And if they don't, frankly, and I know this is an unpopular opinion, I don't want the day two quarterbacks. I don't want Kellen Mond. I don't want Felipe Franks. I don't want Sam Ellinger. Those are still somewhat premium picks. At that point, I think you do what a team like the Lions is trying to do or what a team like the Chiefs did a few years ago. Just build the rest of the roster, get a, a solid 52 guys on your roster, and the next year you fill in that, you, you know, you, you you give it all up, you fill in that 53rd spot, you trade up, you draft Sam Howell, you draft Phil Jerkovic, and boom, you're done. 
You can trade all those future picks because you made all the picks this year instead of drafting Kellen Mond to sit on the bench for four years and leave. And you and you alluded to it, and I know you're a Mac Jones guy because of the, the Bama connection, but when you compare the two, it's interesting because very Lance different. is, yes, very different and very different in terms of what the Patriots look for. I, I pulled it up before. When you look at the quarterbacks they've drafted under Belichick, and obviously, like I said, you haven't needed one since 2001. I've said it a million times. I think they were, they've drafted 10 quarterbacks. Eight of them were power five guys. Seven of them were seniors. And every single one of them had multi-year experience starting, you know, kind of dealt with adversity in their own way. Um, Trey Lance is completely against that. Mac Jones, on the other hand, fits that mold, right? But I think right. when you look at the value, um, I, I, I changed my opinion. Each week. I could see Mac Jones going top 12. And then I could see him hanging around at 15 and 17 and teams are kind of chomping at the bit like a Washington, Chicago. I thought Indy would try to be in there before the Wentz deal. That'll right. try to move up and get him. Uh, so I guess an ideal situation for him is uh, move back at 15 and hope he's hanging around in the 20s. But I just I can't see it. I So the interesting thing with Jones and, and Fields is take you take Lawrence out of the equation for a second because he's obviously the guy. Right. Uh, but of, of that next group of the next four quarterbacks, Fields is intriguing because he I think he has the highest ceiling. Jones is intriguing because he has the highest floor, right? If you're talking about bust potential, I think he's the lowest chance of a bust of any of those top four guys. The ceiling's not there. The ceiling's not what it is with Lance. It's not what it is with Fields. Uh, it, it's not what it is with Wilson. But I think you're going to get like a, a, a solid 10-year NFL quarterback. Will it now... Will that guy be a Matthew Ryan who's going to win an MVP, take you to a Super Bowl? Or will he be Matthew Stafford, who's a very good quarterback, but you know, you just kind of meander eight to ten wins a year? That that's the question to me with Mac Jones, but I think you're getting a very good player. Trey Lance could be Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, that kind of quarterback. Uh, but I, I like to say for every Josh Allen, you get 20 Brock Osweilers. Right. And that becomes a risk too. So, you know, they're, they're very polarizing and you're right. Trey Lance is the antithesis of everything the Patriots have ever looked for in quarterbacks, but I'll go back to it. Uncharacteristically aggressive. You're going to break the mold. And the other thing, and it's a very good stat and, and I do think it holds weight. You mentioned that they like power five guys who have especially like started like multiple year starters, two, three, four year starters who they want. I'm already bracing for them to draft Bo Nix next year, which I'm not looking forward to, but <laughs> You could argue since Brady, their most successful quarterback pick, and I know some people will say Garoppolo, and, and it's probably Garoppolo, but behind Garoppolo, their most successful quarterback pick was Matthew Castle, who did not start a game after his junior year of high school. Right, He was a backup in high school, got recruited off workouts, went to USC, backed up Carson Palmer and Matt Leinart, didn't start a game, only got a look from the Patriots because he had some connection. He got a private workout. And he turned out okay. So I... The experience thing, I think, holds weight, but they've broken that in the past and it turned out relatively well for them. So, yeah, I'll tell you what I, you know, after hearing Phil Perry is 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 big on the Mac Jones train. I know you are as well. I I've been dreading Mac Jones for months. Uh, I've been dreading Mac Jones at 15 for months, for God's sakes. And if they trade up to like six for Mac Jones, I, I, but But Mac Jones, Mac Jones is vegetables. You're not going to be super excited about it, but. You're going to get what you need. He's ultimately going to make you healthier. And right. the other thing about trading up, and and again, I hosted the show with Evan Lazar, and I had to pound this into Evan's head. Tr- when, when you talk about trading up for a guy and, oh, they're going to give up so much, 
I think a team should never trade for quarterback just for, or should never draft a quarterback just for the sake of drafting a quarterback. That's Dwayne how you end Haskins up with two years ago. Dwayne Haskins. That's how you end up is, is a good one. Mitchell Trubisky is my other example of that. Mm-hmm. You don't draft a quarterback just to, just to draft a quarterback. The flip side of that is if you believe a quarterback is the guy, if you believe this guy's going to come in, lead your franchise for 10 to 12 years, win your playoff games, sell you millions of dollars in jerseys, there's no price you can pay that's too high. Right. I, I I don't think so. If you remember when the Chiefs traded up to get Patrick Mahomes, the take at the time was they gave up too much. You right. don't hear that anymore. You don't yeah. hear anybody saying the Chiefs gave up too much well, to take Patrick Mahomes. Josh it's inherent- Allen, which was a one and another two. One. Yeah, it's inherently a risk, of course. But if the Patriots really believe Mac Jones is the guy, and I don't know whether they do or not, they really believe Trey Lance is the guy. No price is too high to go up and get him. Right. No, it's a good point. I mean, it's, listen, it's a good point. And and Mac Jones, the thing about Jones and why, even though even though I've been dreading it in the back of my head, it just kind of feels like inevitable to me, is because what you say, the floor is high on Mac Jones. You know what you're going to get. Yeah, he's not super explosive. He's not super athletic. But he has a pretty good feel for the pocket. He's pretty, he's fairly accurate. And, you know, and he's a pretty smart quarterback. Now, what scares me is that he hasn't had to throw, he hasn't had to throw into traffic. He hasn't had to deal with a ton of pressure, uh, you know, because his team was just so the best first the blitz in the class. I think he works the pocket real well. Yeah, I I do agree with you, the tight window and the separation. But two, I want to bring this comment up. Just know if Bill trades up in the first, he got his guy. I think you could. That's a good point. Like if you if they're willing to do that when they never do it, you you have to trust them and their their evaluation that they got him. Gerard Mayo. Did they trade up for Mayo? Right, traded back for Mayo. They traded back for. How did they? they had, oh, right. Yeah. Had seven. Yeah. That was the, that was the yeah. Randy Moss deal yeah. or the, the yeah, Dion yeah. Branch deal, whatever. No, but right. yeah, so that's, but you, so that's Hightower, Chandler Jones, Ty Warren. Those all, those three worked out pretty well. All hits. So, all you hits. know, like, yeah, if they're trading up in the first, it's because it's because they have a guy and they need to go get him. And listen, if it's Mac Jones, Bill knows a hell of a lot more than I do. So if it's Mac Jones, it's Mac Jones. What are you going to do? You know, what happens when they trade up and we get all excited, right? We see the Patriots are traded up and then they take Penny Sewell. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even joke. I don't even joke. Like I will. Say, I, I will say, like, I can't shake the idea that they trade up and try to get a guy like Patrick Sertan. I can't shake that. If you're going to trade Gilmore, yeah. you're picking up draft capital. You get a guy first off, football family. We know how Bill loves right. that, and he's, I mean, as NFL ready as any defender I've seen in the last few drafts. So I, I don't think trading up is exclusive to a quarterback. Sewell's a stretch. That was more of a joke, but right. um, I think that comment applies. Overall, I, I think there are some non-quarterbacks Bill could really like that he'd need to trade up to get, chiefly Sertan. So I, I wouldn't rule that out either. And I, again, I think if they do it, you know, if they draft Patrick Sertan, and I don't think I'm breaking any news by saying Patrick Sertan's going to be a stud in the NFL, but if they draft up, right. trade up and draft Patrick Sertan, they know that he's going to be a shutdown corner. Right. And I want to get yeah. into this now too. Um, you know, what are our free agent guesses? Because I think this is important too. Obviously, free agent starts, um, what's it, a, a week now? Right, the seventeenth is the official yes, first year of the of the new year. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, Allen Robinson was never going to come here. Uh, Chris Godwin was never going to come here. Obviously, classic tag candidates. Um, but you know, you alluded to it several times. Uncharacteristically aggressive. There was some reports today that Bill's ready to spend big at receiver, which I don't know how much I agree with that and, and believe it. But I, I'll, whatever. Whatever gets the the blood boiling and ready for free agency, like that's that's fine with me. Um, but yeah, I, I think it starts with you know linebacker. It, you can kind of find those guys. It's a 
deep, deep class from Baron Browning, Jabril Cox, uh, Jamin Davis. Like there's just so many day two guys where you can find, you know, linebacker depth and, and they've spent picks on it in the past with Uche and Jennings. Um, yeah, that, that's your guy. That's Pat's guy, Juju. Um, but yeah, I think you need to go out. I've said it several times. Get get a wide. You don't have to get a. a tr- I mean, I'd love a true number one and pay big money to it, but I, I, you don't need it. Get get someone. I've said it a million times. A Brandon LaFell type role. Somebody who can come in catch fifty to sixty catches. Move the chains. Draft one relatively early. Hopefully inside the top fifty. Hope you can develop them better than you have in the past. Like I'd love a Rashad Bateman, someone like that. If you trade back, that's another op- You know, another scenario there. Uh, but yeah, I guess Alex, what's your kind of your guesses or your wish list, realistic yeah. wish, wish list? I, I actually strongly agree with you. I've been saying this for months. I was using Allen Robinson as the example. He's been franchised, so I'll use Kenny Galladay, right? If you're going to pay, let's say it costs $25 million to get Kenny Galladay, which is a bit high, but I don't know that that's totally unrealistic, right? You're better if, if you just pay $25 million for Kenny Galladay and that's your wide receiver budget, and then you run it back with the same group. All you're doing is just having teams triple cover Kenny Galladay and you're right back where you started, right? right. They need to, to build an offense. I would rather, if you're going to spend $25 million, spend $15 million on a guy like Corey Davis, spend $10 million on a guy like Curtis Samuel, go out, trade for Brandon Cooks, and then you know trade for Zach Ertz, sign Hunter Henry, sign Gerald Everett, and now all of a sudden you're building an offense. You have all these pieces. The Patriots system has succeeded for years, and they were really good with true number ones, obviously. Randy Moss. But for the most part, the way they've succeeded is all five guys on the field were a threat at all times. I don't think you could say that about this team last year. You couldn't say it about this team last year. But when all five guys are a threat, even if one's not that monumental game breaker, it just limits what the defense can do in their complexity because they have to worry about every single person on the field. Signing one big money receiver and saying done doesn't do that again. If you go out and you get right, you know, I love Rashad Perryman. I say every year I want the Patriots to sign Rashad Perryman. I think he's one of the most underrated receivers in the league. I know it's random, but I do. You go out and you get Rashad Perryman right for like six or seven million dollars. Brandon Cooks is like 11 or 12. You need a big body guy. You go get Juju. There's 15. You've spent like, I think that's like 30, 31 million, but you have three good receivers now instead of just one guy who's probably better than all three, but that doesn't matter when he has a corner on this side, a corner on this side, and a safety over the top. So, Ryan, you're spot on. I think it's, you know, for anybody who watches the Patriots Super Bowl DVDs, the original one, it's not about collecting talent. It's about building a team is what Belichick likes to say. I think they need that approach when it comes to the offense this year. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And, and you know, it's funny, Corey Davis. Davis and Samuel are both interesting cases because they're guys that I liked before the season started. And Corey Davis was a guy that, you know, was a magician in, in, yep. in Tennessee. He was disappeared, completely disappeared. Wasn't there. Didn't exist for three years. Except against like, the Patriots. Is, <laughs> except against the Patriots, right? He burns Stephon Gilmore twice. And I'm thinking, like, this is great. They, they no one, they never paid him. They never played him before. It's fantastic. This is gonna be great. They get, and then he goes out and catches 90 balls last year. And I'm like, what the hell are they doing? Stop throwing him, man. He's gonna now he gets paid. You know, so and Samuel, same thing. They couldn't figure out how to use him. And last year they finally used him correctly, where you have him, you know, he's almost like a He's not Cordell Patterson, of course, but it's similar to a Cordell Patterson type of guy where you have to kind of you have to kind of uh, scheme him open, right? He can do a, a million different things. He can play in the backfield. He can, you know, jet sweeps, all this, all this other stuff. So Samuel's an interesting case where I think he's actually going to get paid a little bit more uh, than we think because I think teams recognize the speed and explosiveness, and that's the way the league is headed. 
And so they think that I think he's going to get a little bit more than we expect. But either way, I'd love to see those two guys here. Love it. And then, like you said, you go out and get another get another tight end. I'm I'm in uh, Devin Asiasi camp. I really think Asiasi can be maybe not a number one tight end, but certainly a solid number two tight end. Even if you bring in a guy like Kyle Rudolph, and that's the only guy you're able to bring in at the tight end spot, kind of as like a mentor, blocker guy who can you know be a force in the red zone. I think he can help Asiasi kind of grow. Because we've seen that that position is notoriously hard to come into and succeed in. And, you know, and so we'll see. Right now, Adam Trotman had a decent year in in New Orleans. I wish they had drafted him once. Like, they freaking passed on him twice. But, like, you know, he had a decent year, but he really wasn't asked to be a tight end. He was really like a like a slot receiver almost, you know. And that's exactly, Vin, Vin says it 100% here, the Algie Crumper role, you know, yep. in 2010. Like, that's that's it. You know what I mean? Like, bring him in. And have him mentor the young guys and Dalton Keene. Like, I don't know if you're ever going to get anything from him, but I think Asiasi can actually be a legitimate tight end in this league. And I'll say, you mentioned Curtis Samuel. The thing with a guy like him is if they are going to draft the guy with the idea of playing him right away, that's the role to draft. I think this trait that, that Tyree kill type, none of these guys, well, Jalen Waddle might be Tyree kill. We don't know, but like none of these guys are Tyree kill, but you have, you know, at the top of the class, first round, you have, Jalen Waddle, like I just said, day two, you have the Kadarius Tony option and you get into day three and there's still a bunch of exciting options. Like I'm, I'm a huge Jalen Darden guy. I don't know if you mm-hmm. guys have watched him out of North mm-hmm. Texas. He right. came in as a freshman at 150 pounds and then put on 35 pounds. And he's just, he's literally just scratching the surface of, of what he can be. His quote that I, when, when I tell people about who's Jalen Darden, the, the quote he gave a TV crew before one of their national games, making people miss is like brushing my teeth. I have to do it at least once a day. So that's like, you know, go get a like dog in here, get, get someone with a swagger, get, get right. So if they miss, like, I want to see them go get that, that big perimeter X wide receiver. They can't, they, they don't have to be a slower guy. I love the concept of bringing Brandon cooks back, but if they do want to dip into the draft for a receiver, I'd like for it to be that gadget kind of player, right? Uh, you know, the, the, uh, Isaiah Zuber type of player, I guess, because I think it's a really good draft for that guy. And yeah, I love Darden for them. I really do. I don't know if it happens. His stock is just soaring right now. He might be a second round pick by the time his pro day happens and we get to the draft, but that they love those value guys where it's yeah. Kadarius Tony's good, but we need a second round pick to get him. We can get Jalen Darden in the fourth and we don't think there's that much drop off like that. That's what they do. So. Yep, hundred percent. And John Brown, Sam mentioned John Brown. I love, I love the fit with John Brown. He's more of a vertical guy than anything else, but uh, he was so him good and, in him Buffalo. And Cooks are pretty similar. Yeah, I, I agree. Two of the and, best vertical guys in the league, in my opinion. And he's gonna be cheap. Another, another value guy that you know you could bring in on the cheap, and uh, you know, and, and I think can improve the. Uh, I mean, listen, anything's gonna improve this right. past. And, and that's right? their problem too at receiver. They don't have really anybody that can stretch the field. Like you saw how good the offense. Everyone talks about Brandon Cooks being he's like an outlier when you talk. He had a thousand yards. That guy's a walking sixty catch thousand yard guy. Done it five out of seven years. He is a respectable receiver in this like top fifteen guy. Always has been. And by the way, he had hundreds of yards of pass interference penalties that year. Yeah. If you yep. add receiving yards and pass interference yards gained, he led the league. He was essentially the leading receiver. But yeah, just getting that down the field guy, whether it's Cooks, whether it's it's Brown. Well, again, I love Brashad Perryman. Somebody in the chat has Emmanuel Sanders. Mm-hmm. The offense was just, you know, they had more than one problem, but the, the speed was brutal. Yeah. They need speed desperately. And and he, even I think Emmanuel Sanders at 34, that guy can still burn. I saw right. some people today saying he was washed. 
He's not what he was. He's not the guy you signed to an offer sheet in 2013. He he caught 60 balls last year in an offense with some pretty bad quarterback play. Like he 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 could have a role here. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, all right, let's switch gears to the defense a little bit yep. here. The the biggest question on the defense, and I guess really possibly the biggest question on the team outside of quarterback is is the uh, former defensive player of the year, Stephon Gilmore. Obviously, making seven million dollars this year, clearly he, he's not going to play for that, right? So the question is: A, you either have to, have to extend him, or B, you have to trade him. Uh, do you see a world? in which the Patriots extend Stefan Gilmore. Um, do you think he'd be willing to take an extension? I, I can, for me personally, if I were the GM of the Patriots, I'd say, okay, I'll give you this year. And then two to three years after that, I don't know if Gilmore would accept that because that puts him at 33, 34, and he's not going to get paid again after that. So he may want a longer deal and he may deserve a longer deal, but I'm not giving him a super long deal because you know, I'm not tying my, I'm not tying myself down to a, you know, a 33, 34, 35 year old cornerback. Um, but I think another team will. So, you know, what do you think? A, I guess, do you think they sign him? And B, what do you think his value is if they do try to trade him? Yeah. The, the only world they bring him back is if they somehow get to Sean Watson. Right. And it's right back in win now mode, but, and that that's an extreme hypothetical. Like, I don't think that happens. That's my, that's my fancy way of saying no. <laughs> I also think you mentioned, you know, not wanting to tie the money down. Next year is a very good free agency class for corners. And we'll see how many of these guys actually hit the market between franchise tags and extensions. But you're talking about Jair Alexander and the Packers are not in a good cap spot right now. You're talking about Marcus Lattimore. The Saints do not have a ton of money to spend and will not have a ton of money to spend. So I kind of look at it like where they were, how they, how they got Gilmore in the first place, right? They had Malcolm Butler and they had Darrell Revis. And everybody said, we well, got to keep Revis because Malcolm, like, Malcolm Butler at the time was the number one corner, but he wasn't an ace, right? To use like a baseball analogy. He was a, 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 he was quality enough to be top pitcher in your rotation, but you wouldn't call him an ace. Rick Porcello? Exa- yeah, that's not a bad example. Thank you. You want a Cy Young, um, but... <laughs> the, the biggest joke Cy Young of all time. Yeah. Um, statistically, it is. I, I won't get into that. But so basically what they did was they, they moved on from Revis short term and they just kind of they had Butler on that right restricted free agent contract and they yep. used different tags and they strung him along until Stefan Gilmore came along and they had a chance to go out and get their ace right because Stefan Gilmore was obviously an ace defensive player of the year now they're in a similar spot where Gilmore is kind of where Revis was after the 2014 season he wants that last contract he's like you don't want to give him a ton of years because of his age you're gonna have to pay him probably more than he's worth and they have JC Jackson who is a number one corner, probably isn't an ace, who they have some kind of dummy years of control over if they manage it a certain way. And then you have a really strong cornerback class coming up next year. So they can string J.C. Jackson along for the year. Defense is what it is. And then next year you go out and and you give that big contract to whichever cornerback breaks free. And I just think there's so much you can do with the Stephon Gilmore trade. Uh, You know, send him to Dallas, who now they need defensive help. They locked Dak up. They're not going to be able to pay Michael Gallup. Would you rather have one year of Stephon Gilmore, one year of Michael Gallup on this team right now? Give me Gallup. Right. The other one, you know, can you send Gilmore and maybe a day three pick to Green Bay for 29? It was made painfully obvious in that NFC championship game that they, Jair Alexander needs help on the other side. Jair Alexander is no good. If you got Swiss cheese over opposite him, they could run by whoever's over there. Green Bay's desperate. They're trying to win window closing on Aaron Rodgers. They already have their next quarterback, supposedly in Jordan Love. 
you get 29 and you kind of do what the Vikings did last year with Stephon Diggs, where they traded him away. They reset the contract. They bring in a guy on a rookie deal. You get 29 and you use that pick on a corner, good corner year. So right. there's a lot of different things you can do in terms of trading him that can make your roster better. I just think that there's too much right now uh, out there between what they could get for him in a trade, what the free agency class looks like next year for them to to give him the bag. Do you think? Yeah, and I think too. I, cor- I'm corners sorry, Space. Are, I'm sorry, Space. Do you think they could get 29 for him? I think not straight up. Okay. If, if you do maybe 29 and like a fourth round pick, or so 29 and maybe. Oh yeah, sorry, Gilmore, Gilmore, a fourth round pick. You know, you you throw some other picks in there, whatever. But like that's that you're giving up. Like Gilmore is the base. You probably have to give up another pick or two. But again, Green Bay's. You know, most teams at 29. No, Green Bay's desperate, and this is a weird year. If they want a with their cap situation, if they want a player of Gilmore's quality. They have to trade for him. And the reality is, Zadarius Smith's entering a contract year. Jair Alexander's entering a contract year. You don't know how much longer Aaron Rodgers is going to play. If there was ever a time to just send it and say, screw the future, let's win one this year, this is the time to do it, and that's exactly that kind of move. Well, I think, too, there's no chance he plays a snap on that contract, right? Because they move money from last year to this year. I think it's like $7 right? right? So you're, you're... in his case, it's like if you're trading him somewhere, they probably have a ha- have to have an extension in place at least for the next two to three years to just just to even get as much form. The the one I flirted out there is send him the NFC West. Me and Pat talked about it today. You don't have to deal with them. They don't play them for another three years. Mm-hmm. You get them long gone. You don't have to face them. At, you know, w- once a year. The, the only way you'd see him is in the Super Bowl. And the NFC West is a gauntlet. Most of you know competitive league. Uh, division in the league, uh, a team like Arizona, right? Like I think they're bound to go corner. They sit at 16. I think that's kind of JC Horn, maybe a Caleb Farley range of certain if he falls. Um, but yeah, does Gilmore and like their second do it? I, I do it. I, re- I really see wouldn't. I think that's a team that to compete in that division, you need a true number one Jalen Ramsey, you know, um, it, out there, you, you could matching up, landing across DK Metcalf, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Debe, Debo Samuel. It, it's it's a very very competitive division. I, I think that's what makes the most sense. If you're going to move him, get him get him the hell out of here. I don't want to see him because he's too well, good. So I think the other one, and you'll hate this because they play this team this year. But we talked about what it might take for them to move up and get a quarterback. Does Gilmore in 15 get you 10 with mm-hmm. Dallas, and then you take right. Mac Jones at 10? Does yeah. Gilmore 15 and a second get you seven? And then you get Trey Lance without giving up any future picks, right? I, I don't know that uh, whoever it is at seven, where I, I forget who it is. Does that team, a team picking that high? Detroit. Right. So Detroit doesn't want Stephon Gilmore, but something like that, where can you load it? Or maybe they do because they traded for Jared Goff and they clearly want to be decent during their rebuild. They're a mess. I love Dan Campbell, but they're a mess. But, you know, does Gil, what does Gilmore plus 15 get you is right. another conversation if you want to talk about moving up to get a quarterback. Yep, I agree. I yeah, I had the same thought. I threw out a I threw out a poll like I don't even know a few weeks back that was like, does Gilmore in fifteen get you ten? And I got laughed at by a lot of people. But I was like, hey man, like laughed at because it it's. I mean, I think it totally would. I think I, that absolutely. I, I do too. People are like, what are you nuts? I'm like, well, Gilmore's like still a dominant player. Like, and it's the Cowboys. Like the Cowboys right. love big names like that. And they need defense. And this is a very offensive heavy draft at the top. Right. The guy they're taking at ten, in, in, unless some team falls in love with Quiddy Pay. I truly believe the guy that they're going to take at 10 will still be on the board at 15. Right. So they, to them, I think that's a no brainer. Yeah, no, it, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. So it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, again, 
there's so many different places the Patriots can go. And like you said, it's such an interesting parallel because I hadn't thought about that, about the fact that, you know, RFA saying, you know, JC Jackson's an RFA the same way that Butler was an RFA and the Patriots kind of kept stringing him along. And JC, you're right. Like is a, is a very good player, but we saw it last year when Gilmore went down, all of a sudden he had some real difficulty, you know, taking that number one, that number one option away. And so, you know, is he really that number one shutdown corner that you're going to have to pay 16, 17, 18 million dollars a year to? I don't know. I I don't know. And that's, you know, and they Gilmore know seems like the type too. That's like, he doesn't say much. He could absolutely love it here and want to stay here. And, and I, I'm not saying he'd take a team friendly deal by any means, because I think this is his last chance to really break the bank and, and demand, you know, I don't think he gets Ramsey money, but he'll be a top three paid corner in the league if, if he hit ever hit the market or, or wanted, you know, a team to extend him. But like, who knows? Like, does he, he's a very low key guy for as, for as active as he is on social media. It's like, does he love, he could love it here. Yeah. I think he, he's a pretty proud guy too. And I don't know that he takes another pay cut after what they kind of strung him through the last couple of years. Well, he held years. out a camp remember he, right, he, was, trying- he was away and all this. And then all of a sudden, Oh, they moved money from last year and now he's back. Right. right. And they, oh. they were trying to trade him or originally and did that burn the bridge. And I, I think he's, I, I don't think he, you know, people turned it to him holding ill will against the Patriots. I wouldn't go that far. I think, you know, we, we've all been in that spot, whether it's a job or a relationship or whatever, you're glad it happened. It was good, but it's just, it's time for it to end and it needs to end. And you right. don't look back and it is what it is. I think that's kind of where where they're at with him and where he's at with them. And you, you don't you never want to give up one of the best players in the league in his position. But this is just kind of how the timeline has played out. Right. Now, that's a good point. So Vin makes a good uh, a good thought here on Twitter about taking a linebacker at 15. Uh, Zayvon Collins is a guy that uh, I know a lot of people have talked about. Patriots, you know, seems like the type, to Patriots type of guy. They met with him, too. They did. I think 15 is a little bit early. I like Micah Parsons at 15. I don't know about Zayvon Collins. It might be a little early for him. I, if they trade back, I think that makes a lot of sense. They need linebacker help desperately, right? You yeah. have Juwan Bentley. Obviously, you're getting Hightower back. Hopefully, Kyle Van Noy comes back. But you still need linebacker help. And so they. I think they definitely have to attack a linebacker at some point. My guy is Nick Bolton. I freaking yes. love Nick yes, Bolton. Pat, yes, Yes, right? like the only other one. I've seen no Nick Bolton be. Dude, I love Six feet, two thirties, too small. No I'm, way. I'm in love with the guy. Everybody's too small until they, they get into an NFL weight room. I mean, everybody's it, too small. That, that's true. And, and typically now, linebackers are. You're gonna, he is short. They are small now because they have to be able to cover and play fast. Right. Um the answer to that question, I think it's just it's too deep of a this is one of the deepest linebacker class in a while. Like I said, I mentioned on day two, you have some some players that can come in and be day one impact guys. Um it'd be a little bit of a reach. I think you can get assuming you can, you know, play around with your board Unless, and pick up a couple day two picks, right. you'll you'll be able to get tremendous value at a linebacker in the in the forties, fifties, sixties range. Unless it's Parsons. Parsons, right. I feel oh, like is sure. on another Yeah, one. I mean, you know what I mean? It's just he also opinion. has the off the field concerns. Well, that's true, and which is which is why he could drop to fifteen. Because to me, he's a right. surefire top ten pick, and you know because of those off field concerns, he could drop outside the top ten. So I think to go back to the Zayvon Collins thing real quick, and I I like Zayvon Collins, I really do. I I think he's a really good player. I said the other day, the term four, checks a lot of boxes. Right, that's the term check, it is. But if if you you really like him, some of the things you like outside of the size, some of the things you really like, he's a three down linebacker, right? He can he can rush the passer, he can cover, he can stop the run. You like how athletic he is, you like how instinctual he is. 
Chaz Surratt checks those same boxes in the second round. Both mm-hmm. happen to be former quarterbacks. Now, Chaz Surratt's much smaller. I think he's 6'2", like 225, but he's still putting on weight because until last year, he was a, a scrambling quarterback. He was an option quarterback. So you get him in an NFL weight room. I think Chaz Surratt could be a superstar. It all comes down to what team he goes to. Because like I said, he's very new to the to the linebacker position and he's getting by on his instincts and his athleticism right now, which you can do at college. He needs to learn the technique and the nuances of the position. And what better place to learn how to be a linebacker than down at Gillette Stadium with Bill Belichick, Gerard Mayo, and Donta Hightower. Just have him follow those three guys around. Mm -hmm. And I think he could become a freaking stud. So I I do like Zayvon Collins. If they pick him, I'm not going to be mad. But I think you can make a similar pick in Chaz Surratt in the second round. I agree. I agree. I love. I would love the Chaz Surratt pick. And again, it's because... It's because of that, right? Switch from a from a quarterback to a linebacker. And the improvement this year was insane. Yes. And so you can see defense player that, of the year, ACC. Right. You can see that he he's figuring out and he's brand new to the position, but still, you know, playing in a, in a pretty good conference and you know, and dominating uh in his, only his second year playing linebacker. So uh really, really excited about him. And they, and I agree with you. They love those guys. There's like a string now of those guys who change positions. Jacoby Myers, Gunnar Oshevsky, mm-hmm. Rashad Berry. Obviously, Edelman, we know, was a college quarterback. There's I, I did one mock just to see if I could do it. It's not what I think will happen. But there's like a non-zero chance that their first four or five picks could all be guys who changed position. Like if they take a corner in the first round, right? They go Caleb Fairley, okay? And then they draft. They, they trade for an extra second. They use their seconds on Chaz Surratt and Kadarius Tony who was a quarterback, yeah. and then the um, I'm blanking on his name. There's a tackle out of Cincinnati, an offensive tackle, who's one of the best like developmental tackles in the draft. He was recruited to Michigan as a defensive lineman. Yeah, what the hell is his name? So, Jackson Carmen is the kid from Clemson. I can't remember the kid yeah, from Cincinnati's name, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. There's like this weird train, like I, because I, you know, I'm like Charlie Kelly, right, with the with the felt on the wall and connecting the dots, but they're. <laughs> They, they seem to be collecting these guys who change position. J.C. Jackson's another one, was originally recruited as a wide receiver. They seem to just be collecting these position change guys. Athletes, and this athletes. is such a strong draft for it that yeah. they could really cash in if they want to on that kind of player. I don't know if they should, but they can, absolutely can. Oh, and, and the, the talking points would be so much fun, you know? Okay. Now now Chris Hogan's not on the team anymore. They can't talk about lacrosse, so... Or they, I guess they can talk about lacrosse again because he's now back playing lacrosse, right, professionally. But, you know, but they can, oh, this guy played quarterback and this guy did that and this guy was this. And, the, you know, like, you got to have something to talk about, you know. Brad Stevens' positionless basketball becomes <laughs> positionless football. Right? right? Oh, my goodness. It's fantastic. So, this has been a lot of fun, man. I think, I don't think we, especially, you know anything else? That's it, man. I think we we're, covered I, it all. I think we covered pretty much everything. You know what? One question I have for you. Yeah. Wide receiver-wise. Okay. What do you, what do you think about Rashad Bateman? What are your opinions on Rashad? Love Bateman? him. I would lo- love him. My wife yeah. for bags. Love <laughs> him. <laughs> the injuries worry me a little bit. Yeah. Right. Or am I thinking of the wrong guy? Uh, I don't think You're so. Thinking of no, no, Moore, Moore. I do. I get Rashad Bateman and Rondale Moore mixed up because uh, they're both kind. You know, kind of say I Bateman's fine. I just, you know, I go back to the Nikhil Harry pick. They have so much trouble developing those big body contested catch wide receivers. They just try to turn them into ballerinas in terms of the footwork and running routes. And they're just, they're never that guy. No guy that big, right? That was Rob Gronkowski. If you wanted a guy that big who could do that, it was Rob Gronkowski. That's the whole list. I'd rather see them, not that any wide receiver spot is in their wheelhouse. Like I can't say that, 
the smaller, quicker guys are in their wheelhouse because they screwed a bunch of those up too. But they're a little bit closer on that. If they're going to use a premium pick, I'd like to see them do that. The the happy compromise for me, and this is like a day three pick and he's a project guy, but I really like Des Fitzpatrick out of Louisville. He had a a really strong senior bowl, kind of came out of nowhere. The big knock on him has been his inconsistency in college. He'd have like three straight weeks of 150 receiving yards and then disappear for the rest of the season. But outside of his freshman year with Lamar Jackson, they had horrible quarterback play. So he goes to senior bowl, he balls out. And now I think, well, that, that might more so be a a quarterback problem than him, him problem. And then the other one is, is, is Vernon Adams jr. At Arkansas state who nobody knew of until his senior year. And I think he was on sports center top 10, like every week of the season, he made some insane catches. He's a a 50, 50 ball menace. That's all he can do. He can't really do anything else, but he can do that. So if they're going to go enough, what the heck, (laughs) if they're going to go after that, kind of guy right that bigger body bully wide receiver i'd rather they do it you know day three take a flyer low investment than have another Nikhil harry situation bateman's just so smooth that's the only thing with Bateman. i mean he reminds me of and he's, a, just, he's a big just, 10 guy you know he's ready he reminds me of justin jefferson you know what i mean like the just the the smoothness of the route running that's that's why i see it. and he's not quite as explosive as some of the other guys but i do think um you know, he's got, he's just, he's just so smooth. You know what I mean? And we don't have that. So we'll see. Um, yeah. But it's tough. It's tough because it's like, now he's the fourth, fifth. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how many receivers. That's like I one I of those things. Bateman you know more I mean? mixed up, by the way. I think that whole thing I just said made no sense. I think I have and more mixed up. I've been looking at so many. <laughs> well, that's what happens, man. And projections and scouting reports. But so right. I, I'm no one, whichever one I'm thinking of, whether it's Rondale Moore, Rashad Bateman's up to you. Yeah. yeah. No, I got you. So, <laughs> all right. Well, sir. I think we're I think we're good, man. Thank you so much, Alex, for coming on. Why don't you plug yourself? Of course, we know that you're from 985 Sports Hub, <laughs> but not from CLNS. Although you do host a well, podcast. Do, yeah, still you on CLNS, so. wrong. You're right. No, I, I so you can find my work at 985thesportshub.com. Follow me on Twitter at real Alex Barth. And then yes, I host the Patriots Beat Podcast Tuesdays and Thursdays with Evan Lazar. All right. Thank you, Sarah, for coming. We appreciate it. And uh, to all of you out there, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming along. And we'll talk to you next week. And guess what? Guess what? Free agency starts on Monday. That means when we talk to you next, free agency is going to be upon us. And maybe the Patriots will already already have signed someone. It's going to be glorious. A bunch of emergency shows coming, I think. I hope so. I hope so. That was the thing. Dude, uh, we're still recording here, but I don't even care. Uh, what was it? Tuesday, Tuesday morning. The dog gets up at 6 a.m. I see the I see the Trent Brown news. I'm like, oh, here we go. Take the dog outside, jump in the shower, make uh, get one of the kids ready for school, record the podcast, record the emergency podcast. And then I'm like, all right, now I'm ready to teach. And it was like I did all that before I before my first class. So it was a productive morning on Tuesday. So, anyways, guys, thanks for listening, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.